Hello and welcome to My PGCE, a podcast documenting my journey as a trainee teacher with a special focus on mental health. I am your host, James B. Good morning. Another two weeks of the PGCE have come and gone, and it seems to fly by when it's happening. Yet when I take a moment to sit and stop and reflect, as I do when I record this podcast, it seems like an eternity has passed since the last time we spoke, which is rather peculiar. But from that eternity, I would like to discuss just three things and then my usual comment on mental health at the end. First thing I'd like to discuss is a day I spent shadowing a hub director. So this was last Wednesday. Each year has a hub and the hub comprises a pastoral lead. This is someone who isn't a teacher, but who's employed full time to look after pastoral issues that may arise. A progress lead who is a teacher with a reduced teaching timetable, who monitors progress for that year group, and then a hub director, also a teacher with a reduced teaching timetable, who's in charge of the hub, oversees operations, they're the boss. Now, a lot of schools just have a head of year who's kind of responsible for all of those things, which must be a lot to ask. But in my school, each year group has its own hub, as described. And I followed the hub director around for a day. And it was an eye-opening experience. So subject teachers are primarily concerned with how students are performing in their subject. I'm a maths teacher. It's my job primarily to be concerned with how students are doing in maths. But of course, these students don't study only one subject. They study lots of subjects. And they are also people. They aren't just students. And it's the hub's responsibility to collect and gather information from lots of different sources throughout the school to build up the bigger picture of the students as individuals, as people. And because all that information gets funneled from all over the school back to the hub, I developed my understanding of how the school as a single organism works. So I spend most of my time usually in the mathematics department. And so I have some idea of how the mathematics department functions. But that's just one organ, one part of this bigger school organism. So, like I said, it was eye-opening, but on that day that I shadowed the hub director, they also saw more action than they would normally see in a month, and they decided that I brought a curse upon them, and I was told by the hub director at the end of the day never to darken their door again, which is a shame because I'm very interested in the pastoral side of things. So hopefully they'll let me back at some point. The next thing I want to discuss is the formal observation 
that I had this week on Tuesday with my year sevens. So my professional practice tutor from the university came into my school to watch me teach a lesson. She and my mentor observed the lesson and my head of department functioned as a bit of a TA for me. That said, there was a horrible smell in the room. Now, I spoke about something gross last week or last episode, for which I apologised afterwards. Today, I'll apologise before. So, it was, as I entered the classroom on that Tuesday morning, it smelt of sick, and the smell hit me like a brick wall as I entered the door. And I had a quick look around the classroom to try and identify the source of the smell. I mean, I don't know what I was going to do. If I'd have found a big load of sick somewhere, I don't really know what I'd have done. I'd have asked a more grown-up teacher to help me decide what to do, probably contact the cleaning staff. But I could not find the source. I thought it may have been in the bin. I thought a student may have been a bit sick in the bin, Um, but it wasn't the bin. Had it been the bin, I was going to tie up the bin bag and throw it outside, but couldn't identify the source, don't know where the smell was coming from, so we had to put up with it. Now, my year sevens are not really mature enough to deal with a smelly classroom, and it caused a great deal of disruption. Well, it caused a bit of disruption at the start of the lesson. It wasn't too bad. But my um, my mentor went and got some air freshener, or at least that said that's what he said he was going to do. He returned with what I think was just a tiny bottle of perfume. I don't know where he got it. And he sprayed it around the classroom and <laughs> and it congealed with the smell of sick uh, into this new monster. And so you just had this sickly, sweet smelling classroom now. Sickly being the operative word there. So we had that to contend with. And I spoke to a teacher afterwards who said that that's just one of the rules of the universe. If you've got a formal observation, there'll either be a horrible smell in the classroom or a wasp. Out of the two, I think I'd choose the horrible smell. But despite that, the lesson was, I think, a success. So I met with my professional practice tutor afterwards to discuss it. And we didn't really discuss things that were good and things that were bad. I'm sure if anything was really bad, she would have told me. She did say I seemed a little bit sanction shy, and I think I was. But that was largely because I didn't want to pick a fight with certain students in the room. Often, if I level sanctions at certain students, it may result in a bit of an argument. It was something I wanted to avoid during my observation. But I still should have given them the sanctions. So she did mention that. But otherwise, we just discussed the rationale behind my various decisions. So for instance, I typically follow a I do, we do, you do structure of explanation. And we discussed 
why I do that. What's the thinking behind it, which was really helpful. And so, yeah, I think my observation was a success on the whole. Like I said, if it hadn't have been, had it gone badly, I think I'd have been told by now. Third thing I want to discuss is computer science. So I'm training to be a maths teacher, but I've also picked up one computer science lesson a week. I don't really plan my computer science lessons, at least not to the same extent as my maths lessons, because the computer science lessons are pre-planned. The presentations are already created. All I do is familiarise myself with the content for that week's lesson, think about my explanations, and then usually run them by the computer science teacher at lunchtime, which is just before the lesson. However, this Wednesday, at lunchtime, the Year 10s ran a Smartest Teacher competition, which me and another maths teacher attended. So did the computer science teacher. And that took up most of lunchtime. So I didn't have time to run my explanations past the computer science teacher before the computer science lesson. And I also wasn't feeling very well that afternoon, to which I will return in the mental health segment after this. But the lesson started, I got the kids in, and as they were getting ready, I was a bit distracted because I was thinking about my explanation and how I wasn't particularly confident. It was strings. Strings was what I was meant to be explaining that lesson. So a a computer program collects and processes data. There are different types of data. One type of data is a string, and a string is just an ordered sequence of characters. So that's what I was meant to be introducing and explaining that lesson. But I wasn't confident. And about a minute before I was due to deliver my explanation, I decided not to. I went to the computer science teacher and said, I'm not feeling confident about my explanation. Could you do it instead? And I will observe. And he said, fine. And told me a little later in the lesson that there was no judgment whatsoever. And I said to him, I I thought I was making the wise decision not to attempt an explanation and botch it. But we spent a good amount of time after the lesson unpicking this. And he asked me some really good questions. He asked me why I decided not to give the explanation. And I said, I wasn't feeling confident. I feel that education is something too important to botch. I didn't want to get my explanation wrong because then I could plant the seeds of misconception and that could plague their learning for years to come. So I thought since there's an an expert in the room, I would defer to him and ask him to do it. So that was my thinking. But then he said, well, why are you here at all then? If there's always a more experienced teacher in the room, why are you delivering any of the explanations? And I responded, well, because I'm training to be a teacher, though I'm not an expert teacher yet. Hopefully one day I will be. And 
when the older crop of experts retire, someone needs to take over. That's why we train new teachers, so that the profession can continue. And he said, OK, fine, you're taking a macro view of why you're in the classroom, training to be a teacher. But what about a micro view? Why does the school want me in that lesson? Forget the macro view for a moment. What do I bring to the individual lesson? What's my value? He clearly thinks that I'm not just a burden to be tolerated until I one day become an expert teacher. He clearly thinks that I have something to add at the moment as I am. And I wasn't sure what that was. And I'm still not. Yet he told me to go away and think about it. And I have been thinking about it. And yes, still not sure. So this is a question I leave to you. When we're in the classroom with a more experienced, better teacher, what value do we bring to that lesson for the students? Please let me know your thoughts. Okay, on to mental health. So, like I said on Wednesday, I wasn't feeling very well. And I think I wasn't feeling very well because I was suffering the symptoms of caffeine withdrawal. And this really surprised me. So in the days leading up to Wednesday, my anxiety had been a bit high and I observed that my break time coffee could often raise my anxiety levels to an uncomfortable point. I certainly wasn't heading into the red. I wasn't in danger of ever having an anxiety attack or anything. But I could just feel that I was more anxious after having my coffee. So I thought, okay, I'll knock it on the head for a while. And Wednesday was the first day that I didn't have a coffee. So I normally have my coffee at 11. By one o'clock, I was feeling horrendous, which amazed me. So I'm assuming that it was something to do with not having a coffee. Maybe I was a bit ill, I don't know. But I didn't really feel ill in any other way. I just felt like a zombie. And I thought caffeine withdrawal symptoms would be something only people who have several coffees a day would suffer. I've, I only ever have had one, but it must have been stronger than I thought. Because I felt dreadful. My brain was shutting down. <laughs> and this is how I felt when I was due to deliver that computer science lesson. But I've stuck with it. I didn't have a coffee on Thursday or Friday either. I felt a bit ropey on Thursday, but by Friday I felt largely fine. And my anxiety levels in general have reduced. That said, last night after football, I got very close to having an anxiety attack. Closer than I have been for many years. But I don't think this was necessarily related to workload or PGCE stress. What had happened, I think, is that it had been a very intense football session. There was only five of us, which entailed a lot more running around. And I'd really pushed myself. I became very competitive last night. And sometimes after doing very intense exercise, if I come to a sudden stop afterwards, which is what happened last night, we were doing 
at the end, first to three goals wins. So it was a very intense five, ten minutes or so whilst we were playing first to three. An exhausting five to ten minutes or so. And then I came to a complete stop afterwards and just sat on a chair and looked at my phone or something. I don't know why it is, and if anyone has any idea, please let me know. It can put me in a state of high anxiety. So going from 100 miles an hour to zero, that sudden change can set me off in terms of anxiety. What I need to do is a cool down. I need to keep walking, keep moving until my heart rate has reduced before I sit down and come to a complete stop. I need to slow down gradually. But I felt it coming on and it made me a little bit panicky because when you feel a anxiety attack coming on, for me it entails dizziness and feeling hot and pins and needles. When you feel those symptoms coming on, you start to panic about them and then you get stuck in a vicious cycle. You end up panicking about panicking and your panic becomes self-sustaining and you can quickly tumble into a full-blown panic attack. So I knew that I had to take my mind off these symptoms that I was experiencing. One of the other teachers who'd been at football had asked moments earlier if I wanted to go and check out the gym. My school's just built a new gym. So though I was not feeling like doing more exercise, I said yes, because I thought that that would be sufficient to take my mind off my symptoms and give my body time to settle down. And it worked. That was fine. Like I went and I went to the gym with this teacher and did a few preacher curls. And sure enough, I felt fine afterwards. So I'm not sure what the moral of this story is. Well, there are two stories. There's one to do with coffee and one to do with post-football anxiety. As regards the coffee, I'd say if you do have any anxiety problems, then just keep an eye on your stimulant intake, caffeine, for example. And if you feel like your anxiety levels are a little bit high, maybe reduce your caffeine. That could be a good thing. And then the football one, I just don't know because I don't know whether this is individual to me. But a general lesson, I guess, would be that after exercise, make sure you cool down properly. And if ever you do find yourself on the verge of a panic attack, a helpful strategy can be to distract yourself. Try to do something, anything to take your mind off it. I hope you've had a good week. And I will probably not speak to you now for a month because... I've only got one week of school left. I may speak to you next week. I'll see. And then it's two weeks for Easter. Most of which I'll be spending doing my university essay. Which very much has taken a backseat this term. So I've got lots to do. But I'm enjoying the topic. I'm studying character education. Which is fascinating. So I look forward to getting stuck into that over Easter actually. So I'll either talk to you next week or in a month's time. If it's not for a month, then I hope you have a very restful Easter. If you like the episode, please spread the word in person and on social media. 
You can follow the podcast on Twitter at MyPGCEPod or email MyPGCEPod at gmail.com. Please subscribe, rate and review in your directory of choice. Please also consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash MyPGCEPod and helping fund both the podcast and my PGCE course. Thank you and talk again soon.